0: Well, good morning! Happy Easter! So excited that you're able to be here with us today. I want you to do me a favor right now. Take just a moment. I want you to look around you, the people that are close to you, and I want you to, as as best you can, treasure the person next to you. Treasure just treasure them like. Like, this is better than any treasure the kids are going to find on the field later on, I promise. Treasure the person, and I, Jennifer, no one's, Brady's there, yeah, we got eye contact, you know, make sure everyone's got someone. Because, because here's the reality, reality is, we will not be together again ever just like this. I mean, think just it's not going to happen. In eternity, this will never happen again exactly the way it's set up right now. Like God knew you were going to be sitting in the seat that you're sitting in. He knew you were going to get invited to come today somehow, some way. And He knew you were going to be here. So just, if you can't, just breathe in this moment just for a little bit. Now we're going to have some fun afterwards. Any kids in the room that you're looking forward to what's going to happen after the service? All right. Chewy, what's up, man? You're looking good, bro. Got that bow tie on. He looks great. He's trying to find, oh, she's back there. There she is, yeah. I heard this funny quote. The Easter baskets are going to be full, but the tomb is empty. Can I get an amen? Amen. That's right. That's awesome. Okay, so treasuring these people next to you. Now, I'm one of these people that I don't like to waste anything. Anybody else like that? Like, you just don't like to waste anything. Like, you're just maybe just hold on to something. You just, you just don't like to waste anything. Like, for, the, for a fact, the food on my kid's plate. When we're eating, I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to save some room because I don't want to waste anything. Except for my son. He eats all of his food, so I don't get anything from him. But if I'm eating lunch with you... I, it might be the food on your plate. Like I was having lunch with our worship leader the other day and he didn't finish all his food. And I just was, there's something in me, I just wanted to reach over. Hey, let me just finish that for you, all right? Because I don't like to waste anything. Well, this, this Easter season, we had a thousand of these Easter invite cards. A thousand of these. And so in my not wanting to waste anything mode, I was obsessed with getting rid of all of these cards. I had to figure out a way to make sure all of them got somewhere, okay? Now, there's a part of me that's a little concerned with the ones you took, I don't know what you did with them, that's on your conscience, that's fine, but I just knew the ones that I had, I just had to do something with them, and so I, uh, so I was at the YMCA the other day, and uh, I was in my car, I was getting ready to leave, and I saw this lady pull in, and it at first, I really thought it was Kelly. I just knew it was Kelly. Same type of vehicle, blonde hair. So I was like, all right, I want to mess with Kelly. This is awesome. I love messing with Kelly, so I'm going to mess with her. So I, had a, so I grabbed one of these cards off my dash, and I was like, I'm going to go like a crazy man, run up, say, hey, lady, you need to come to church on Sunday, and stick it up to her car. As Soon as I got out of my car, I turned the corner, and as soon as I took one step, I realized, that's not Kelly, this is awkward. I'm like walking towards her. She makes eye contact. I just kind of wave. And I turn to my left. And I'm thinking, my car's running. Should I go back to my car? That would look really weird. No, I walked all the way back into the YMCA, acted like I was getting a cup of coffee. Went in, got some <laughs> coffee, came back out, and went and got in my car. I was like, Brady, you're crazy. All right. And then, then I still had some left in my vehicle the other day. I'm driving up through this apartment complex, and I see some people some customers, some victims up on my left-hand side. Now, I'll be honest with you. I chickened out the first time. I just drove on by. Man, you're a wimp, Brady. Come on, man. You got these cards. You're trying to tell people to pass them out. Go back. And I avoided it for a while, but the next time coming through, there they are again. I was like, all right, forget it. I'm going. So I whip in. I get out of my vehicle, I grab the cards, I walk up, hey, I'm Pastor, I'm Pastor Brady, I'm here in a community, or a community church here in town, just right around the corner here at the high school, and I so I just love to invite you to church, um, here's, some, here's some information about our Easter service, and the one guy was like, don't bother, I'm an atheist. I was like, that's too bad, all right, so I'm going to hand pass out the rest of the cards, and then he's like, well, really, I'm an agnostic. So I'm like, kind of in there, I was like, dude, there's still hope for you then, there's a chance that you might come. He's like, well, I might not come. But uh, you can go ahead and pass out the rest of the cards if you want. So I passed them out. And before I left, the guy handed me a beer. He's like, I've never been given a beer in exchange for anything. <laughs> I was like, I'm not Baptist anymore. This is awesome. <laughs> and I told him this afternoon when I am thinking about this man. And I'm going to pray for this man. I want you to pray for him too. The, the, this agnostic, this guy who's like, you know, he's, my, he, he's probably a lot like a lot of people who... He knows there's something, but he just doesn't know exactly what it is. But here's my thought as I was walking away. This man does not know what a good beer is. No, that's not what I was thinking. (laughs) I was thinking, this man does not know the Jesus that I know. And it grieves my spirit. He just doesn't know the same Jesus that I know. Well, the same Jesus that, that I'm thinking of, and I've been thinking so much about the last, obviously, few days preparing for today... We have a video we want to share with you, and, and then there's a few gentlemen that I, that I love. They're going to come up and share some facts about this man that I love so much. So let's go ahead and kill the lights. Let's take a look at the video. I'll tell you a secret. Jesus is my favorite subject to talk about. And you may think, well, yeah, of course, Brady, you're a preacher. That's, that's what you should say, Right? But no, it's true. It's, it's so true that um, just anticipating this moment, this time, to be able to stand here and talk about him is almost too much to bear. He's the reason we celebrate today. Jesus is worthy of the praise of people. Jesus is worth your time here today. Speaking of time, my wife told me, she goes, don't look at the clock, Brady, just preach. And you know, you're supposed to listen to your wife, so I'm just saying. Just saying. I am sorry, that's a little bit warm in here. The school's system is not quite as automated as your home system. It takes a little while for everything to transfer over, so hopefully we'll get that squared away. But really, I have anticipated this time. I'm excited about uh, about just being able to, to speak about this man who, who changed the world. I'm so excited that I even wore my lucky socks today because I didn't want to take any chances, you know? You have any of the sports people that have those, like, superstitious, you know, you got to wear your same socks, eat the same meal, that kind of thing? I'm not really superstitious, but I thought that was funny. Not, you obviously didn't think it was funny as I did. I had an incredible conversation with this young lady at the YMCA the other day. And you might think, you spend a lot of time at the YMCA. Well, obviously not a whole lot of time at the YMCA. Just enough. And while I was there, this young lady approached me. And she was, she was one that I gave one of the cards to. And she approached me. She said, I just have, I have some questions, some fundamental foundational questions about the Christian faith. You know, like, what is, it, what is it all about? Like, I don't really even understand. And, and so for me to think, here is a young lady, she's a freshman in high school, she lives in America, and she because I just don't know anything about him. And so I said, well, this Sunday would be the perfect Sunday to come then. Because this is the foundational message. This is a message for everyone, for all people in all places and all time. This would be a good one to come to. And so I want you to do me a favor one more time. I want you to look around at the people close to you. Okay? These ones you were treasuring just a moment ago. And I want you to share some very basic truth with them. I want you to say these words to them God created you. Say that to him. To be with him. Okay? That's it. That's why he fashioned you, that's why he knitted you together in, in your mother's womb, that's why he breathed his breath into your lungs. That's it, because he wanted you to be with him. He wanted to be your Abba, your father, your ch- his child. You exist to know him, to be known by him, and ultimately to let others know him. There's this incredible verse that, that I rediscovered just a, a few weeks ago. I was doing a funeral, and I was talking about, we were talking about time, and we were talking about just purpose and, and life and all the things that go along with all that as you think about life and death. And, and it comes from the book of Acts, chapter 17, verse 24 through 20. You don't have to turn there, turn there but if you do have a Bible with you, I encourage you uh, to get to Matthew, the book of Matthew, okay? Towards the end of the book of Matthew, around verse, or chapter 27. So just to give you some, a heads up. So this, this passage of Scripture, this is a guy named Paul, and he's writing, He's talking to these people, and listen to what he says. He says, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. And he does not live in temples built by human hands, and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all of the nations, That should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and boundaries of their lands. He marked out your time and your place. He marked out this time right here today. God did this, it says, so that they would seek him. People would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far away from any of us. Any of us. No matter how far away we might feel from him. He's never too far away from us. For in him it says we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. So you think about this one man, and his name was Adam, and through Adam came all the people of the nations, but also something else happened through Adam, and this is where the news kind of gets bad. All rebellion and all sin and all death came because of Adam's disobedience and death It says through sin entered into the world and this death came to all people because all have sinned yes all of us every single one of us and you're thinking wow that's a familiar subject I knew I was going to hear that when I came to church we've all sinned. well it's true and I love the truth And if you don't think it's true that all have sinned, I'll just say, I have a precious little granddaughter that was running around here a little bit. You take something in her hand that she wants and you take it away from her, watch her reaction. You get cut off in traffic, (laughs) something doesn't go quite your way, (laughs) just watch your reaction. You're thinking, where does that come from? Oh, yeah, that's that birthmark. (laughs) It's the birthmark of sin. We're all corrupted by it. One man comes through. Comes all nations, through one man comes this curse of sin. Romans 3.23 says that we've all sinned, we all fall short of the glory of God. And what we earn from this rebellion is death. And the, and the worst form of death, I really believe, is separation from the very one who created us in the first place. So if God created us to be with him, our sin separates us from him. And the bad news is, is our sin cannot be removed by good deeds. So listen, if we took all of us today, and we lined us up around this auditorium, started with the person that is the least worthy, that is the most sinful, we'll place him right here, and let's just go around the room, we'll line up together, around to the person that is the most holy, and the most worthy, and the most righteous. When you get to that last person that's better than all the rest of us, which, by the way, that doesn't exist... (laughs) if you got to that person, his righteousness or her righteousness still wouldn't be enough. You couldn't add up all the goodness in this room to be enough to take care of this problem called sin. So happy Easter. Thanks for coming. Let's go hunt some eggs. (laughs) Hi, sweet pea. cutie. (laughs) My daughter's like, don't get distracted, dad. Keep going. What if that was it? What if that was just, that was the, 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 the rest of the, no, there's no rest of the story, that's it. we all got a sin problem. We can't do anything about it. That'd be a bummer, right, if that was the end of the story. But the truth is the whole story. So let me share with you some good news. Let me share with you the rest of the story. It goes like this. Paying the price for sin, Jesus died. And he rose again. So turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 27. Okay. Now, for those of you that need a little bit of background, a little bit of foundational truth here. So a week ago, we were here and we celebrated uh, the what's called Passover, or not Passover, but the Palm Sunday, where Jesus rode into Jerusalem. He came into Jerusalem to actually celebrate The Passover, which was an annual celebration that God's people participated in, and they all came together to celebrate their their freedom from captivity. They were prisoners, they were slaves in Egypt, and God set them free. He redeemed them, and they've celebrated every year since then this meal called the Passover. And so everybody was there in the city, uh, people from all over the place came to worship. Many of Jesus' followers were there. They greeted him along the road. And as he entered the city, he came in on the colt of a donkey. And And you've heard the story. They were waving palm branches and they were shouting, Hosanna, Jesus, you're here. Awesome. Come and save us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Come and rescue us from the tyranny of this awful government And these Romans that were causing so much trouble in our life. Come and save us. Rescue us. Now they were probably thinking, if Jesus is going to rescue us, do you think maybe he should be on like a stallion with a sword? Like I'm not sure why he's riding on a colt and he's so peaceful. Like if he's a conquering king, shouldn't he come in like a conquering king? But yet they praised anyway. Let's fast forward just a little bit. Jesus spent this whole week teaching and preaching and preparing his closest friends, for his departure. He was, I'm, I'm getting ready to go. Like, yeah, I'm here to save you, but it's not going to quite look the way you think it's supposed to look. On Thursday of that week, he shared the Passover meal with his friends. He took some bread, he broke it, he gave thanks for it, and then he handed it to his disciples, and he told them, take this and eat it, this is my body. And they're like, oh, okay, yeah, let's eat it. Jesus says it's his body, we believe him. Then he took a cup and when he gave thanks, he gave it to them and he said, drink this, all of you. This represents my blood, which is the new covenant between God and man. And he, he says, my blood's going to be poured out for the forgiveness of sins. And I'm sure it made sense to them more later than it did right then because I'm sure they were confused. They're like, what does he, what does he tie? His blood's going to be poured out. I don't get it. After the meal, it says he took three of his closest friends. He went out to this place called the Garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane, and he prayed. And that was in the story where Jesus prayed so fervently and so violently that sweat like drops of blood came out from his forehead. And he cried out to the Father. He says, my Father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Some would say that at that particular time, Jesus was crying out, saying, God, please don't let me have to suffer this punishment that I'm about ready to suffer. But as you dig in and you read a little bit further, I don't know that it was the physical punishment that Jesus was so concerned about. It was the wrath of God placed upon him because of the sin of the world, your sin and my sin. And Jesus knew that he was going to have to drink that cup, and it was going to hurt it was then early on Friday morning when Jesus was then betrayed by his friend and arrested in the garden. Now, real quick, just, we'll just breeze through this. Jesus endured six different trials. Six different trials. Peter, his, one of his closest friends, denied even knowing who he was three different times, probably for fear of being crucified himself. The first three trials were by religious leaders of the day, people that just didn't want him to live anymore because he was causing all kinds of of, um, frustration for them. And they tried him three times. And then they sent him to the Roman government before before Pilate, the Roman governor, three more trials. He was spit on. He was struck by fists in his face. He was slapped. They plucked out his beard. And if that wasn't bad enough, he was rejected by the same people That earlier that week, cried out, Hosanna, come and save us. Jesus was beaten and whipped to the point of death. Some say to the point where you couldn't even recognize the man. He was mocked by Roman soldiers. He was given a crown of thorns. And let's pick up what the Bible says in Matthew 27. Let's start at verse 31. After they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put on his own clothes, and they led him away to crucify him. By the way, six trials, and there was never a charge that they could could really solidify to say Jesus was guilty of it. It was only hearsay. It was only things that were made up about him. But listen, nobody took Jesus' life from him. He gave it willingly. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross they came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull, where they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots, and sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Above his head, they placed the written charge against him This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right, one on his left. Those who passed by hurt, hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, You are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days? Save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the son of God. In the same way the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we'll believe in him. He trusts in God. It says, let God rescue him now if he wants wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. But you know, in one of the other gospels, it's interesting that one of those men eventually realized that they were being killed because they deserved it and Jesus was innocent. And he asked Jesus to remember him when he came into his kingdom. And Jesus told him, you'll be with me today in paradise. (laughs) So you may think, That, it could be, you know, there's a time where it's going to be too late. Even at the last minute, this man chose to follow Jesus. There's still hope. Then it says, from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came all over the land. And about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice. He said these words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, that was the wrath. Jesus was concerned about if the penalty for our sin is death and separation from God Jesus experienced separation from the father at that particular moment that is the greatest pain anyone could ever experience here on earth and Jesus experienced the fullness of that for you and for me When some of these standing there heard this, they said, he's calling out to Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. And the other, well, I think his the Gospel of John says, he cried out. He said, it is finished. He finished the cup to the very last drop. At that moment, it says the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. Now, this is a story you don't hear very often, but you know it says that the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. Do you think that would shake up Platte City? That would be wild. Facebook statuses would be going off the charts. It would be crazy. Selfies with this guy. When the centurion and those who were with him um, says, Regarding Jesus, they saw the earthquake and all that had happened. They were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. Many women were there watching from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. Among those were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who had himself been, become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Jesus, or Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, placed it in his, own new to, in his own new tomb that he had cut out from the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting there outside the tomb. I think the reason why they say that Mary was there watching, because there was like this conspiracy later saying, well, the disciples got the wrong tomb. They went to the wrong tomb. That's why it was empty. That like Jesus' body is still in another tomb. They just lost it. They couldn't find it. No, no, that's not what happened. <laughs> that's not the case. The next day, The one after preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver, they called him deceiver, said, after three days I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he has been raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first. So Pilate said, take a guard, go make the tomb as secure as you know. So they went ahead and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. And then for a whole day, a Saturday. Can you imagine what the disciples were thinking on Saturday? Can you imagine how upside down their world just got turned? 24 hours before that, they're having a meal and having a conversation with Jesus and everything seems to be okay and then the next thing you know, their life will never be the same again. Hey, have you ever had a day like that? Have you ever had a Saturday like that where you were just stuck somewhere in the middle thinking, how is this ever going to get any better than it is right now because this is hard? Don't worry because Sunday's coming. (laughs) Who was crucified? Those famous words, He is not here, He is risen, just as He said. Come and see the place where He lay. Then go quickly and tell His disciples that He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy. Yeah, afraid yet filled with joy, ran to tell His disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, He said. They came to Him, clasped His feet, and worshiped Him. And Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. There they will see me. It is for this reason that we gather here this morning and we celebrate. We look at, look at these thoughts of the fact that God created us to be with him, but our sin separates us from him, and we can't do anything about our sin on our own. So Jesus comes to pay the price for your sin and my sin. Bible says in Philippians chapter 2 that Jesus left heaven and made himself nothing. By taking in the very nature of a servant, he became human. He, being in human likeness, it said, in being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death. Even death on a cross. It was for this reason that Jesus left heaven and came to earth as a baby. Do you know that Christmas is awesome, but it means nothing without Easter? Nothing. If all we have is a baby in a manger, we're still in trouble, ladies and gentlemen. There's still nothing we can do about our sin problem. But it says Jesus left heaven and he took on the very nature of a servant. He took on human flesh. Do you know that Jesus needed to have real blood inside of him so that when he spilled his blood as a sacrifice, it would be the payment for your sin? Jesus had to be human. But he was perfect in every way. He was the sacrifice that was made available. Listen to this. Remember how sin came into the world through one man? Well, in Romans 5, it says this. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, that's Jesus, the many will be made righteous. That's good news, ladies and gentlemen. That's the best news ever right there. Jesus, who knew no sin, perfect in every way, became sin. That was the wrath that he took upon himself on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God. That is a great exchange. That is much better than a postcard for a beer exchange, I promise you. It's the best exchange that you could ever experience. And why would he do it? There's only one reason. And you should know what that reason is. You should not leave here today without knowing what that reason is. And that is because of love. That's it. He demonstrated his love for us. While we were still sinning, Christ died for us. Right? He didn't wait till you got it figured out because guess what? He knew you were never going to get it figured out. The very best of you could never do enough. Our sin is great, but his love is greater. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son right so that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life the only way to be reconciled to god is through faith in jesus ladies and gentlemen that's the message the only way and we'll finish up with these last few thoughts everyone who trusts in jesus alone will have eternal life and to trust in Jesus is to turn, to turn away from what we thought was true before, to put our faith in this one we believe has done these things for you and I. Confessing with our mouth the Bible says that Jesus is Lord and believing in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. Like That is, that is a requirement for salvation. Confessing Jesus is Lord. He's more than just a savior. He's more than just a good person and a great teacher. He is the king. He wants to ride into my life. He wants to change everything about who I am. He wants to take care of this this sin problem in my life. The greatest enemy of mankind is death. And Jesus fixes that problem through his death and resurrection. Jesus rode into Jerusalem not to destroy the government of Rome. <laughs> he wrote into Jerusalem to destroy the power of sin and death in your life. And the resurrection changes everything. The resurrection of Jesus is the cornerstone to a worldview that provides proper perspective for all of life. All of life right here and now and definitely life that is to come. And Jesus said that he is the resurrection in the life And those that live and believe in him will never die. If it's true, then he is what we need. If all of this is true, then you will want to know this Jesus. I promise you. And on this day, I pray that you choose to believe. Because life that is eternal starts now and it lasts forever And Jesus came that you might have life and have it to the full. And you know what? If this is true, then you'll want others to know him. As a matter of fact, that's the last commandment Jesus gives his followers. He tells them that they are to go and make disciples He goes, go into all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Listen, somebody decided to testify to the truth of this gospel and it made its way to you somewhere, somehow. It's made its way to you today, right here, right now. And he calls us as we walk out of this place. To testify to the same gospel, the same good news. Because it's the only news that makes a real difference in our life. And so the worship team's going to come. And we are going to sing one more song. And my encouragement, not even really an encouragement, my My urging to you today is to believe. Is to believe in this one that loved you so much that he was willing to drink fully the wrath of God on our behalf so that we might live. We might live. And I'm talking about really living life with purpose and meaning he is our greatest need and i pray that you would know that today i know there's a lot of people here and the expectation that many would come and pray is probably a little bit too much but if you need prayer maybe you say i need to i need to come and confess with my mouth that jesus is lord i need to believe in my heart that god raised him from the dead then come If, you are, if you're stuck on Saturday <laughs> and you need the hope that comes on Sunday, just come and pray. Whatever God leads you to do today, it's between you and him.